Okay, awesome. Everything is awesome. You're part of a team. Okay. Yes. Um, Andre and I, when we were working together, and still, we're still working together. We're just separated now. Um, they moved Andre hundreds of kilometers away in the hope that we would uh, talk less, but we still often... Our wives know when we're talking to one another. They don't even have to ask who you're talking to because our conversations have a certain slant to it. So if Andre phones and I go into a certain mode, my wife looks at me and is like, it's Andre. It's like, <laughs> because, <yeah. laughs> so we've got uh, uh, limitations on how long we, uh, we can talk to one another. But Andre and myself, we, we used to inspire and challenge each other to just go for gold, you know, go for what God calls us to do. And we, we um, would encourage us to grow in godliness as well. And we would um, frame it within the context of Pinte met Jesus, or rose in heaven. Okay, so it's always a constant challenge about who's got the most rose, who's going to sit closest to Jesus one day. Um, with the amazing worship this morning, I think Andre's moved a little bit further ahead of me. But he did say to me, you guys are growing towards having that every Sunday. Because I was thinking, man, this is what your church is like every Sunday. You know, I just want to take the whole band and move them. Move them down to Somerset West. Um, but, amen, I believe that's going to happen. We're going to have this kind of worship every time we come together. Amen. The presence of the Lord is just here in our midst then. And touches us and leads us prophetically. Um, but he's also informed me that he is fasting from cricket. And uh, maybe he's going to watch the final if, if the Proteas play in the final. So that's massive. That's, that focus, I can't get anywhere close to that. So it's more rows closer to Jesus. Uh, so think of me, brother, one day when, you, uh, when you're right up there. I want you to think about leadership development. We're talking about development. But I, I sort of want to trust God that you'll make a shift when you think of leadership development, that, you'd, that you would replace development with growth. It's sort of something that that um, speaks to me a little bit more about what we're about, uh, biblically speaking. Okay. Leadership development is leadership growth. And it speaks about this partnership between what God does and what our response is. Okay. Your ability to grow as a leader or as a disciple depends on, on the one hand, what God is doing. And God has got many different change agents that He uses in our lives. Um, he uses the word, he uses his spirit, he uses the body, he uses circumstances. Okay? So God does that, like you have a tree, he comes and he prepares the soil, he shines his light upon us, he causes his rain to fall upon us. But then on the other hand, we also have to respond in a specific way. Keep our hearts humble, um, uh, remain accountable, and so forth. So leadership development is about leadership growth for me. And growth has got to do with movement. So I just put that up there again for us. I mentioned it. But for me, leadership growth speaks about these movements. Okay, I'm, it's upward movement towards God. It's inward movement towards self. Okay, so I step into God's presence away from myself, away from my fears, away from my, my mistakes, away from my shame, away from my plans, away from the things that, that frustrate me, the things that excite me. I step away from that in worship towards God. So my first call as a leader to grow is to grow towards God. That's my first and primary call. And when I neglect that movement towards God, all the other movements suffer. Okay. When I neglect my moving towards God, my moving towards myself, 
suffers by moving towards others, suffer by moving towards the vision of God, suffers. Even though my movement, my upward movement, and my inward movement, normally, they're the two areas I notice last, that I'm not growing in them. Okay? I can do very well in outward movement, my engagement with people. Encouraging people, exciting people, mobilizing people. There can be a lot of movement, a lot of activity going on there. There can be a lot of movement, a lot of activity in terms of my goals and, and, and moving towards a vision. But I can be neglecting the first two. My upward movement and my inward movement. And for a while I can get away with just moving on the, on the last two levels. But if I neglect the upper two levels, eventually the wheels will come off. On the last two. And people will see, oh my word. It's getting all the more frustrated. It's pushing people, driving people. You would have people leaving a church say that they're just so focused on the goals. They just keep on driving us, driving us, driving us. That happens from leadership not moving closer to God. Consistently and allowing God to impact them. So I found that for me, leadership is all about a rhythm. It's discovering the rhythm that God wants me to walk with. Discovering the rhythm and the, and the balance between walking with God, walking with myself, walking with the people, and walking in front of the people. Okay, as a leader, my leadership walk revolves around my ability to consistently walk with God, walk with myself. In, in other words, I know myself, as, as the Lord says, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, so I need to understand myself. And one of the blessings of leadership is that it... it, it it amplifies and it accelerates your self-knowledge. Right? You, you discover a lot more about yourself within leadership and within a pressure environment than you normally do when there's no pressure on you. When the pressure's on you, then you discover things that could have stayed hidden. That's why we encourage people to serve. We encourage people to lead. We encourage people to put themselves in situations of pressure so that you can grow. Whereas the instinct of self-preservation says, now I'm going to stay away from pressure. I'm going to stay away from, from things that, that push me beyond my comfort zone. And in actual fact, then I stay away from growth. Okay, so the rationale behind us wanting people to serve and people to volunteer and people to take up leadership positions, yes, is for the impact that they can make within their team. But it's also because we understand without a shadow of a doubt, it is impossible for you to grow unless you put yourself in situations where you are be- Outside of your comfort zone. Impossible. And that's when people get frustrated. They start nitpicking. They start criticizing because there isn't an outflow. Okay, so try and keep that at the back of your mind as you, as you evaluate yourself and as you think about your own life. Uh, am I moving towards God? Am I taking a step closer to Him? Am I, am I taking a step closer to myself, understanding myself, forgiving myself, releasing myself, um, speaking God's destiny over myself, looking at who I am and, and, and how God is changing me. Am I moving towards God's people? And then something which is also very important, am I also moving towards God's destiny for my life? As Anton highlighted for us, for us um, last night. And what I want to do now very quickly is, I want you guys to, to have a, a quick look at the differences between character and, and skills or talent. Okay, because... Within a leadership context, what you will often find is that we are very quick. It's about slide 21. We are very quick to focus on the skill component 
of leadership. Because that is what we need. And we often look, when we look at a, at a small group, or we look at a, a district, we look at a specific ministry team, we look at an NPO, or, or in your business, you would ask, what do I need to make this happen? What skill do I need? And there's a definite place for that. But I found that it is probably more important to ask, who's the type of person that I need to make this happen? Because a skill is something that can be taken away from someone. It's a skill, something that you can grow into. It's also something that you can lose. But character in terms of who the person is, if you, if you have the character in place, you can add the skill level. Okay? There are obviously certain things, it doesn't matter how, how amazing a past I am. If I can't do the sound, then I can't do the sound. <laughs> you know, but if I have a willingness to learn and to, and to get into the sound because I understand the importance of the sound that will make the message possible, then I can grow in that skill might take me a long time, but I can grow in it. But if I'm unreliable and I'm selfish and I just want to do things to be seen, eventually, at the beginning maybe, I can do the sound well, but I will cause a lot of damage to the team because I'm putting myself before them. It's all about me. Okay, and so within leadership, we always have those two, two things in, in balance. So a skill or a talent is the ability to do things the right way, to be efficient. Okay? And you have that ability that God has given you. I'm going to say that on the one hand. You are skillful and talented in the natural. God has gifted you. He has wired you in a specific way. He has given you massive opportunities. As we sit here, we are, what's the top five, 10% in terms of, of just the, the input and the opportunities we have received worldwide. We are a privileged group of people. So, so speaking of talents and gifts, all the talent is here. All the skill is here. God has gifted us. And he has chosen you to be born into your family. He has chosen you to be born into a certain generation. He has chosen you to be born into this country. He has chosen you to go to the school that you went to to experience the opportunities that you did get for a reason. Your skill set isn't something that developed outside of God's omnipotence and God's sovereignty. The fact that you are good as an engineer, you're brilliant as a graphic designer, you're amazing as an interior decorator, even that is within God's provision for the body of Christ. So the skill and the talent that he has given you, the ability to do things the right way, has been gifted by God. But there's a place where that gift will only take you so far. Where you, yeah, so far, right? Where it will only take you up to a certain place and then you need the anointing of God to come and take you beyond that. Because what you will discover within your leadership growth is that, at the beginning, people will be excited and, and you will feel this is easy sometimes. And then you get to a place where you know you've got to take the next step. I need to learn something extra now. I need to move from the acoustic to the electric. Or I, I need to, 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 to learn a different skill. Or I, I need to put myself in a situation where I can grow more. And that is an important process that you go through. But for the most part, we don't struggle on the skill level. Okay? Our, our challenges normally come in with a, with a character. And I, I quickly just want to highlight this for us again. Character is the ability to do the right things for the right reasons. Okay, skill is the ability to do, the, to do, the, to do things right. Okay, efficiency. It's skill and talent that you have. Character is the ability to do the right things for the right reason. Okay? And it's not based on circumstances, and it's not based on credentials or on talent. It's an attitude of the heart. In other words, I'm going to pack the chairs, I'm going to count the money, I'm going to set up the sound. I'm going to pack away this stuff.
because I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'm doing this from a heart that is surrendered to God. And I, I don't do it because I've got the title, I'm the volunteer now, or, or, or whatever it is. There's something I carry inside of me that goes beyond just my circumstances and what is around me. Just a very quick overview of the difference between skill and character. I know it's stuff that we all know, but I just want to highlight this again. Talent is the stuff that most people look at and where they base most of their evaluations on of your life. You're such a skillful musician or you're such a skillful this or that, such a wonderful preacher or such a wonderful this or that. Okay, it's visible, it manifests to the outside. Character or integrity is what's on the inside of you. It's what really defines you. It's, it's that, that 12 o'clock at night thing that is going on in your heart, who you really are when there's no one to impress, no one's approval to be won, no brownie points to be scored by anyone. That's character. That is who you really are. The one thing that you could do when there's no consequences and you would never be caught out, that is the character. Okay? Skills are transient. In other words, they change, they can improve, or they can be lost. Character is mostly permanent. Okay? It's, a, it's like this ring. Um, this ring doesn't have magic powers. It, it, it doesn't bind me to my wife supernaturally like uh, Lord of the Rings ring. Um, if I'm unfaithful, lustful person, before I put this ring on my finger, I will now just be a married, unfaithful, lustful person. The character doesn't get changed by putting the person into a different dress, into a different environment, putting a different title on them. It's still the same. Okay? There's a process in which we can change the character, but outward, focusing on the outside, does not necessarily mean inward change is taking place. And for us as leaders, that's one of our challenges when we deal with our people, is to make sure that we walk with them deliberately as well to make sure inward change takes place. Where we can motivate them, we can encourage them to grow. Very often if you just focus on your skills, um, there's a preoccupation with, with rights. Okay, this is what I can do. Because I can do this, I must be the leader. Because I can do this, I must have this day off or I must have this privilege. Right? Um, character doesn't think of my rights. thinks of my responsibilities. It thinks of the fact that, hey man, God has placed me here. I'm here to serve and so I can make a difference. It's not for what I can get out of it. Um, skill again, focus on past accomplishments. So you will... It's very easy to discern where someone is at, whether they're preoccupied with skill and talent, whether they're preoccupied with character. Someone who's preoccupied with skills would mostly just listen to them. We talk about all the stuff they have done, all the different things they can mention to you. And, it, and, and they base their interaction with people upon their accomplishments. Because I'm successful in this area, I base my confidence in my relationship with you upon what I've done. And God, in His grace, has seen to it that church, with all the dynamics of relationship, bring you to a place where you experience failure in certain areas. So that you can grow beyond that place of superficial relationships, can actually build your relationship with someone, not upon what you have done, but actually on something higher than that. A higher goal, the, the love of Christ. And character thinks of legacy. Things of, I want to put something in place now for the people that are going to come after me. I want, to, I want to be part of creating a culture in the band. I want to be part of creating a culture in my small group. I want to be part of create, creating a, a legacy so that the people who come into our church 
buys into something, sees something, has it easier than what I have. You know, we're experiencing this with our, with our children now. When we grew up, um, they, were certain, they were just, we couldn't live in certain areas in our country. We couldn't go to certain bathrooms, couldn't go to certain schools, couldn't go to certain beaches. That was the reality that I lived in. My kids, they do horse riding, they do ballet, they do swimming. I haven't had a day's coaching in my entire life. My kids are having that. I'm building a legacy for them. I'm wanting them to go further than what I was able to go. As my dad took certain steps and empowered me to, to have an understanding of God's grace and God's love and a family that he didn't have, I'm able to impart something else to my kids. Building a legacy. So leadership is all about how can I make it easier for the generations to come? Not just my, my own physical offspring, but the spiritual offspring as well. What can I put in place now? What's the culture that I can create? And often as, as leaders, we're confronted with things that need to, need to change. I'm going to challenge you. Don't just think about the one thing that you can do to change it. Think about how can I change the culture? How can I create an environment where people can be drawn in and they can experience the grace of God within that area? Okay, furthermore, um, what you find, someone who's preoccupied with, with a skill, someone who, who flaunts, we speaking to Annika, a little girl about this often now, about when you're good at something, not to tell everybody you're good at it. Like, let's know my faster fun, yay, I can go in. And there's something you want, you want to build that confidence, but you also don't want them to get to the place where, they, where they're always telling someone else how good they are. Yeah, and how implication how pathetic the other person is. Unfortunately, many people don't grow out of that phase. And so, they, they, again, their talk is all about what they have done, what they can bring to the table, and where God actually wants us to be at a place when we live with character. What you find is if you are a person of character, you don't have to strive for someone's respect. You don't have to convince someone that you're the person for the job. You don't have to, have to rely on a title to have people follow you. There's a character, a depth of character that inspires confidence, that gets people to automatically want to be with you and follow you. Proverbs, that says, the man's, a man's gift makes room for himself. Many men proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. There's something about faithfulness and about character, about working on the secret things, that even though they don't get the applause, the immediate applause, they actually lead to longevity. They actually lead to endurance. Then I just say there at the end that skill can impress open doors. So you can impress someone. You can literally impress an, an opportunity open through just the way that you come across. The, the impression you make at the, um, at the interview. And the way that you, you carry yourself. But there's something about character that it enables you not just to start well, but actually to finish well as well. And my heart for us as leaders is not just to be people who start things, but actually finishes it. So that when you leave your, your band, your, 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 your small group, your, your sound setup team, your hospitality team, when you leave, you actually leave well. You've put in place people that can continue even after you have left and you've, you've moved on. And so I've, in my own life, I've discovered a few things that have helped me in terms of character, which I want to share with you, how to develop and continuously gauge where am I at in terms of, in terms of my character. And I would say the, probably one of the most important ones for me is accountability. It is the place where, 
we are this morning. We talk about our weaknesses. We talk about things the Lord shows us. And then to have someone in your life that you can go to and say, look, I discovered this weekend that my pressure points are when I don't sleep enough and when I have to work late and when people don't do what I ask them to do. That's my pressure points. It frustrates me. It gets me to lose my self-control. And I have, a, I have a, um, a way in which I respond to that. And that is that I kick the dog when I get home. Okay, it's proverbial. Not me. I don't even have a dog. Okay, but I need to go to someone. I need to say, these are the things that make it difficult for me. And this is how I react. You know, sometimes we think accountability is like you tell someone you've sinned and they pray for you. It's a part of accountability. But accountability is actually to sit down with someone and, and invite them into your life and tell them these are the areas you are struggling with and have them walk with you so you can walk to a place of victory. One of the greatest blessings for me being part of Shofar is definitely my friendships. It's definitely the fact that I've experienced the power of this at work. The fact that we're together in church 20, 21 years. And we've grown together. The fact that we can share certain, certain things with one another. And I want to encourage you that if you do not have an accountability partner, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Just pick up the phone, go to someone and say, can we start as a prayer partner? Just start praying together. But grow in that relationship where you can actually open up your heart to someone else. There's a, a beautiful verse that I quickly want to read for you, if I can find it. It's a beautiful verse, but it's, it's, it's challenging at the same time. Um, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 says, There was a man all alone, yet neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. There was a man all alone, yet neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. The assumption we sometimes make is that in church, everyone has got a brother. Everyone has got an accountability partner. Everyone has got someone. Accountability partner, you don't find that in Scripture, I think. Hey, there isn't a search accountability partner. You're probably not going to find it. What you will find is brother. You will find fellow soldier. You will find fellow laborer. You will find fellowship. You will find covenant between men and women, people who partner together in each other's lives. The greatest gift you can give this church is to be bonded and connected to someone else. In a way that, that, that sharpens you and in a way that challenges you, but is also a safe place. So with all the skills that you are bringing in terms of where you're taking the church to in the, on, a, on a practical level, if you want to see continuity and you want to see that the passion in your heart and what God has gifted you doesn't just last for five months or five years, but will be able to last for 15 years, 50 years, 70 years. You need to cultivate relationships with people. Then one day when you're 60 or 70, you sit in the front porch, you can have war stories you can talk about. You can have stories you can talk about how you guys prayed one another through your, your difficult times. You'd phone someone when you had a, a, a struggle with the internet or you had a difficult boss or you had a a challenging situation at home, and you had someone that you could phone, could pray with you, and that knows you. And so my desire, my prayer, my hope is that you have someone like that. Hopefully someone's like that. That there's someone that you know, if the wheels were to come off in my life right now, I can phone this person. 
if a weakness from the past comes knocking on my door, I can phone this person. If I feel like walking away from Christ, I can phone this person. If I feel like walking away from my wife, or from my commitments, or from my kids, I can phone this person. And that doesn't happen overnight. But it is something you cannot afford to delay. If you do not have it, it must be top of your list of priorities as a leader to have. You must prioritize it. So I'm going to ask you to, to think for a minute or two. If the wheels were to come off in your life right now, who's the person that you would invite into your life to come and help you? Who's the person that you trust? I want you to write the names down on your, your phone or in your, in your notebook. Something happens when you write, when you write down a name. Okay, it, 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 again, reconnects you to that person, at least in terms of, some of you have accountability partners, but you haven't been accountable to them in many, many, many months. You haven't picked up the phone, you haven't chatted to them from your heart. And what I found, I remember so clearly, I'm going to talk about Andre a lot. Um, But, you know, we, we shared a lot of stuff together. As you said, in that office, we cried together over the Proteas. I think two or three, um, two World Cups we went through together. Um, Pastor Fred Spear walked into the office one day and found us on our knees. She was so impressed, she left quietly because she thought we were having deep intercession. We were just devastated. <laughs> so she was very shattered afterwards when I told her it wasn't such a holy moment. But there have been incredible moments. I remember I had a massive challenge with one of my leaders and wrote this email, you know, telling them a piece of my mind. And I sent send, send it to Andre first. <laughs> and he read through it and phoned me and he said, Oh, Heine, I think maybe you should push delete. <laughs> Help me through that. Maybe save me my job. <laughs> Help me to just work through the stuff in my heart. I have someone that I could talk. You know filter? You need a filter. Some of you guys need a male filter. You're dumping everything on your wife. You need a male filter. They can just say, no man, stop being silly. Or just have a good laugh about it and then just go on. Some of your wives as well. You can't wait for the husband to get home. You dump everything upon him. The poor man doesn't have the capacity to handle it. You can multitask. He's focused, you know? Have someone that can handle the pressure. A marriage hasn't been designed to handle all the pressures of this world. That's why God gave us friends. You need the pressure to dissipate into people around you. Do you have support like that? It's your priority as a leader. Not to wait for someone to come to you. Not for the pastor to assign you an accountability partner. For you to find one. And maybe to say, like I had to do many years ago, is before I find one, I will be one. So I will volunteer myself and say, look, I have got this need. Maybe you have an accountability partner already, but I would, I would like to be in your life and I would like you to ask me some questions and can we, can we grow together? So that's the first thing for me in terms of just a sustainable development and growth as a leader. Someone who knows me, someone who, who can speak into my life, who can encourage me and who can challenge me. The other thing that I found that has really helped me a lot is something very practical, and that is journaling. 
journaling. Okay? Having a journal. Evernote or just a notebook that you use. doesn't matter what app you're using on your phone. But you need to have a place where you record what God is saying to you. It is imperative. You need to have a place where you build memorial stones around God's interventions in your life. Where you can look back on those moments when God spoke to you. You had an, an, an encounter with God. I remember as well, we were sitting outside of Bible school one day. And, and um, it's late at night after Bible school. And under just prayed some stuff into my life. It was, was, was amazing. Just the things that he, that, he, that he spoke into my life. Um, and I had to go home and I'd write those things down. And in a difficult time, the Lord took me back to those moments and I could see those words. The same when I was, I was in matric. Um, we were part of this dance group. And um, well, it was more like an acting group. I, I, didn't, I didn't do the dance bit. Um, and we were ministering. And as we were ministering to this group of kids, we also had this evangelist with us. And at the end, he was praying for, for people. And then the Lord said, you know, go forward. He, he needs to pray for you. And as he laid his hands on me, I started manifesting. Okay, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. It's in church. And there I'm, you know, throwing people against the wall. And I know it's difficult to believe, but it's what I did, you know. And I, I remember it so clearly. My brain is freaking out. I'm like all over the place. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. But I remember just the word that he prayed over me. In that moment, prayed over me the, the, the fact that God has a call of leadership upon my life. I'm a very reluctant leader. Okay? I don't, I don't, doesn't come easily or naturally to me. But that word that he, amongst other people, spoke over my life, shaped me. Where he spoke destiny over me in probably my most embarrassing moment ever. Um, having grown up in church and being okay. And... Just a lot of stuff the Lord came to do in my life. Because I came out of such a, a generation, a bloodline, or for successive generations, there was alcoholism, there was a lot of sexual uh, um, sin, a lot of brokenness. You can go to many of our communities that come from those, those backgrounds. Such a lot of stuff that even though it didn't manifest in our house because of the decisions my dad made, I still carried it around with me. And God had to come and had to deliver me from that. So it was only later on that I, that I understood that. But I remember lying on the floor and, and being afraid and his hands on me and he prayed for me. He says, God is preparing you and he's preparing men for you to lead. And he says to you, it's going to be okay. Just relax, it's, it's going to be okay. And I wrote that down and it was 22, 23 years ago. And those words have been coming to pass. But there were moments when I forgot about them. I could go back. I've got a stack of journals at home. And I take time out twice in the year to read through my journals, revisit stuff that the Lord told me. School camp once, this kid walks up to me and says, Sir, you should have been a pastor. And I go on and in America, and someone says, Are you a pastor? They don't know me from above. So I wrote them down. They helped me in, in me counting the cost in terms of discerning the voice of God. Because some of us have the encounters with God. You know, and, and, and we're all growing to that place where the voice of God speaks to us very clearly. But sometimes that voice whispers to us in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our emotions, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our most intense disappointments, God whispers into our heart. And unless you are willing and open to receive from, you can miss it. 
I've had experiences where the Lord speaks in the service. I'm out the door and I'm like, that was awesome. Really was an awesome service, but what did God say again? So I'm going to ask you to take out a piece of paper or your cell phone. And I want you to write down today's date. Okay, what is the date? The 14th of February. 13th, 14th, where are we? So I just want to give you a practical tip around this. What I do, I don't try, I, I use a journal every day. I don't write dear diary, okay? I'm not writing to a journal. I'm not writing to some figment of my imagination. I'm prophesying. On the one hand, I'm capturing what God is, what God is telling me. Okay? So I would sit down and I would write down what I saw in a movie, what I heard the dove sing. Um, I, I would look at lessons that God taught me in the day. Okay, that's mostly for me. I would sit down and write down gold nuggets for the day. These are the lessons that I've learned. These are the things that the Lord spoke into my heart. And I write them down so that I can build a memorial stone around them and I can remember them. And then what I do is I sit down and I give God a blank page. It says, God, I welcome you a spirit of prophecy into my life. And I've read the, uh, the prophets of old and I see every time it says, in the year so-and-so, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, or the word of the Lord came to Habakkuk, or the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. I'm like, God, if the word of the Lord came to them, we live in a new dispensation, surely your word is coming to me as well. But I hear that word very often just as a picture, or just as a feeling. And I, you know, you just go on. But that is the word of God that came to me. And unless I take it seriously as if this is a life-changing word, I think sometimes the stuff of God will give us more because we just brush off what he, he whispers into our ears. So I've grown into the habit of sitting down and saying to myself, today, 14th of February, 2015, the word of the Lord came to Heinrich and said, and then I write. And then I'm always astounded and amazed by what God speaks through my hand. The Lord says that he's given me the, the ear of the learned and the tongue of the learned so I can have a word in season. He's made my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. So I like the note three and four with the stylus. I like writing still. You know, some of you maybe like typing. But you, whether you type, whether you write, or whether you use a voice recorder, you need to record what God is saying to you. If you believe that the word of God is the most important thing in your life. If you believe the word of God is going to change you. And your life depends upon this word. The life that he has given you. Okay, so... Um, for me this morning, as I was sitting down today, 14th of February 2015, the voice of the Lord came to me and said that he will use me in a great way to leave behind a fragrance of his presence. It will stir people's senses to draw close to him and to cause them to fall in love with him and his purposes for their lives. And he has placed a song in my heart that his people need to hear and to call forth the destinies of his people wherever I go. That's what the Lord came to reaffirm to me this morning. Last night, God did incredible things in our lives, didn't he? You asked him for some stuff, didn't you? I want you to sit down. I want you to write down what you asked God for last night. Sit down and say, last night, when the word came for us to ask God for our inheritance, I asked God for. What did you ask him for? I can guarantee you tomorrow, next week, it's going to be more difficult to remember what he told you last night than what it is in this moment. And if we as leaders don't stop, and journaling for me forces me to stop. Forces me to, Sila, pause, think about that, push that button. 
and think about what is the Lord. What did you ask him? What was the response? What did you feel in your spirit? You ask God, the Lord came to me last night. I asked him for my inheritance. I asked him for a keepaway home in every town in our nation. That's what I'm trusting God for. God has called me for the orphans, and I believe that. So I asked him for that. And I felt in my heart a confirmation that the Lord is going to do that. Together with every church we plant, there's going to be a keepaway home and a school in our nation. That's what I believe. That's where the Lord took my faith to again. And I'm going to hold that before the Lord. But writing it down forces me to define it. You write it down, I'm going to give you a minute or two. And I'll, I'll chat a little bit more about, about journaling. Something else that I do when I'm, when I'm writing is I'm writing with the knowledge that one day I'm going to pass this on to my kids. I want them to understand how the Lord worked with me. I want them to understand how I grew. I want them to, to learn from the mistakes that I've made. So I write this with, with an eye on the future. I want to impart something, what the Lord has done in my life. It's not just, not just for me. But what, what happens when I, when I journal is I've found that it forces me to, to take something out of the realm of the emotions. Because sometimes you, you just sense something. Or you, feel, you, don't, you don't know whether you're feeling, are you, are you feeling tired or are you frustrated. It sometimes feels like the same thing, doesn't it? But it's actually two vastly different things. Being tired physically and being frustrated with someone or with a thing that you're not succeeding with, it is different and it requires two different approaches. But if you don't sit down to actually define what you are feeling, you will not be able to find the right approach to it. You just have the sense of unease, just the sense of ah, sand in the mouth, it's just lacking and then you start you know, getting irritated with people around you. But if you can actually sit down and you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what am I feeling? I know it's like, ladies don't have to ask the Holy Spirit. I know that we need a revelation as men sometimes for God to, to show us what are we feeling. I found, guys, probably it has helped me in my communication with my wife. Because then I can actually talk sense with her, to her. I can actually tell her what's going on in my heart. And get out of my head. So journaling has helped me to get out of my head, put my thoughts on paper, and then to communicate that to God. Say, God, I'm feeling very disappointed with the way that these last six months turned out. These were my goals. I don't see it manifesting. I'm giving it to you, God. I'm giving you my sense of failure. I'm giving you um, the areas where I slipped out. And I'm giving you the next six months. And I ask you to breathe upon what was. And I ask you to bring life. And I write those things down, what God tells me as well. You are the prophet of your own life. You have to rely upon what the Holy Spirit is saying to you personally and record it, take it seriously enough to interact with it. So I found that as I engage with my journal, God, I look back last year, middle of the year, uh, um, the Lord came and just spoke one word into my life. He just said, you are worth more than many sparrows. That's all that he told me. Three-week holiday, I was looking for great answers, Big answers to complicated issues in my life. All God told me was, you are worth more than many sparrows. That's all. He spoke that to me out of the word. He spoke that to me as I was about to preach one evening in, in, um, in Pretoria. Someone came up to me and said, 
She feels a little bit awkward saying this to me, but she just feels the Lord says that he loves me and I don't know how much he loves me. I'm like, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of God's love. But that was confirmed by the word he spoke into my heart and that word. And unless I had taken it seriously enough to write it down, when I got busy again, I could look back and I could say, look, there's what God told me. And I actually realized I, I haven't made changes. I just continued. I didn't stop. I didn't, I didn't change something in my life. I didn't engage with that word. Oh, that's nice. You know, it impacted me a little bit as I was there on my knees before God. But I actually understood this requires a response from me. I'm going to move things around a little bit. God, I'm going to look back at the things that I did at first when I, when I fell in love with you. I'm going to look at, at areas in my heart where there's, where there's fear. Because it's perfect love that drives out fear. You understand what I mean when I say that my, my, my journal has helped me a great deal in my growth as a leader. Because it forces me to withdraw from the busyness of having to do things to the quiet place where I'm interacting with God in my heart. And I can sit down, I can welcome the breath of God into it. Okay, what I've also found is that it has helped me to, to um, just capture words that I'm praying for other people. I write them down, send them through in a WhatsApp note, and it works, uh, works wonderfully well for me. Okay, so our relationship with the body is crucial, our accountability as a leader to grow, um, our interaction with the Word of God that it gives us prophetically and that it gives us via Scripture, journaling, writing that down. And then the third thing, that for me it's just been incredibly powerful and important is, is the, just the, the habit of praying in the Spirit. Okay? Just that, it, that has carried me through times of being unsure, being uncertain, um, being under pressure. Just the ability to get into a habit of just praying in the Spirit. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't... I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know what's, what's happening. But I get up from my bed or go for a drive in my car. Or I close the door and I walk around and I pray in the Spirit. It has probably been one of the single most important things that has enabled me to keep my tank filled. Is to just pray. Because the devil comes and he wants to steal our words from us. He wants us wrapped up in our minds. Where he can play all sorts of mind games with us. He wants us to start engaging with him on, on thought levels. You start thinking this. You follow all of these rabbit trails into people's reactions to you, what they said, what their uh, body language looked like, um, all of those things. And the devil is an expert playing mind games with us. Okay, he knows you better than what you know yourself. But praying in the Spirit neutralizes all of the emotional and all of the intellectual stuff he can throw at you. Because you engage them with the Spirit of God and you build yourself up. Okay, and you've got to make sure for yourself, you, our slogan is, fit to fight. Getting yourself fit, praying in the Spirit. Okay? So I want to encourage you to stand. It's there where you guys are. Um, also watching. And we're just going to pray in the Spirit. Okay, for, uh, for a few minutes. Yeah, the band, please, the band can come. And then what you're going to experience is, as we're praying in the Spirit, the Lord is going to give you specific phrases and sentences of, of a prophetic utterance that I want you to, to write down in your journal. Okay? As the Lord will give it to you, you will start it flowing, feel it flowing, write it down. It's going to give you insight into some stuff that has happened. It's going to give you insight into where it's going with you. But 
it is so important for you to cultivate. Some of you guys, as, you, as, as you're standing here, you still have the same word okay, that you got when you were first baptized in the Spirit. And I found that God actually, as you go into a new season, very often He will give you a new tongue. Okay? It's like our little kids, they don't just get stuck with Papa, Dada. They grow. Okay? And speaking and praying in the Spirit isn't just an engine that you start and, and there you go. It's actually communion with God. So God actually wants to come and He wants to release your tongue into the heavenly language. So I might start off by Rika Bika, Rika Rido, Dara, Katada, Gea. And as I continue to pray, Lord will come and depending on the season that I'm in, you would have heard last night, Anton went into a bit of a warfare mode. Okay, where it's a different tongue that the Lord released through him. You will also begin to discover that He adds words to you. And you can ask Him. Ask Him, God, I want to grow in my heavenly language. I want to grow my capacity to communicate with you to move towards you, to understand myself, to understand the people, to understand where I need to be going. And I found that I need to be active. I want to encourage you in your prayers, guys, small groups, when you come together. There's something about our culture that wants us to be passive. But when we pray in the Spirit, we actually activate something inside of us.